This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 146. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a Colored Pencil Podcast, where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts... Lisa Clow and John Middick. Hello, my name is John Middick of SharpenedArtist.com, and I'm joined as usual by Lisa Clow of Lockery Fine Art. Lisa, how are you this fine Monday morning at about 3 o'clock a.m.? <laughs> I am good. How are you? <laughs> I am doing never better. So this is the show about colored pencil, this art medium that we love so much. And we talk about colored pencil, we talk about the artist, we talk about anything and all things related to art. Lisa, what are we talking about today? We're talking about how to be original, how to find your style and not copy other artists. How do you do that without just copying someone else? Yeah, it's a kind of a tough one, especially if we're just starting out in art, and there's kind of a fear around that and an over-concern, I think, often because we're, you know, we don't want to copy someone else, or if we are copying someone else, and, you know, on our art journey, there comes a time where we're like, okay, I want to start doing my own stuff. How do I do that? Yeah, and one of the problems that I remember I had early on, and I know I've told this story before, but I remember being really frustrated with, you know, I'd been painting, let's say, for 10 years at this point, or I'd been a professional artist, I should say, for 10 years. And I remember maybe a little longer. I'm bad at numbers, so we won't worry about it. Point is, let's it go through the calculation. <laughs> <laughs> it had been a while. And so I remember sitting there and I went through this like little personal crisis of, I don't have a style. There's nothing that separates me. Like if somebody saw my painting, they wouldn't know it was me. It looks like any other person who paints or draws wildlife, any other person who does any the type of portraits I was doing, anything I was doing, pet portraits, all, all of the things mm-hmm. I did, I felt like there was nothing that separated me from anybody else. What I found out, I, I was, I, I'd say talking to, but let's be realistic. I was whining at one of the women that I worked with where we were teaching um, painting classes and we were just preparing for the class. So we would just talk while getting set up. And I, I'm whining about, oh, I don't have a style. I need to find a style. And she looked at me finally, like I was the biggest moron in the world and said, what are you talking about? You absolutely have a style. When you post on Facebook, I know it's you. Like it's clear before I even have to look at the name. I know it was from you. And I was like, what? What are, you, what are you talking about? So I went mm-hmm. home that night, and at first I'm thinking, okay, she's just trying to shut me up because I'm whining. I was, I'm, I'm quite aware I was whining. Um, I, I'm not delusional about that. So I went home, and I'm looking at all the paintings that were hanging on my walls, and I could see where they were tied in from one to the next. Like, okay, here's a painting of a flamingo and bees. Here's a painting of bees and goldfish. Here are goldfish and, you know, this other surreal piece. Yeah. And then here's, you know, the way that I had certain elements that run through the majority of my work. They really were all tied together. And I think it's so easy. We often get frustrated and think, I don't have a style. I can't come up with a style when in fact, we have our own unique style. We just don't see it as easily as somebody else does. And so I think like we we end up trying to force ourselves into a mold, into a style, mm-hmm. because we're so worried about not having one. 
Yeah, and one of the cool things about that is, you know, she told you about that. And that that really means a lot is and and, and if you just, you know, keep your ear to the rail, others will come to you and they'll tell you something that they notice in your work. And that kind of denotes a style. That denotes sort of, you know, what what you're doing that is unique to you. And, you know, sometimes we can't see that in our own work. Yeah. But someone else will point that out and we're like, oh, yeah, we'll be able to identify it then. So one of the things that happens, I think, is, you know, we want to start creating our own original work. Maybe we've been copying something for a while. And I think you can learn a lot by copying. Yes. I think we've mentioned that before. Uh, and then after you get a lot of work under your belt, you'll start developing a style. You'll be able to see it a little bit clearer. But if you want to try to jumpstart that and you're like, well, what, what do I do? How do I, you know, how do I just start this process? Um, one of the things I, I usually advise is that you want to just follow your passion, follow something. And if you don't know what your passion is, you don't know what you're really deeply, keenly interested in, then just follow something that you're curious about. Yeah. Follow some, you know, start thinking about things that you like. What do you like to look at? What do you like to view? What inspires you? What gets you real revved up? Uh, when you're out and about taking a walk, uh, driving, driving to work, driving to the grocery store, something like that, if something catches your attention, that is probably something that you're curious in or you're curious about. At least it's something that, you know, drew your attention to that very thing. We're not all looking at the same things. And so there's a lot of things that get filtered in through our senses. And you're unique, you're different, and you're, you're going to produce something you're interested in. And so that's all I think that you need to do. And then just start taking notes. And I mean, literally taking notes. If you, you know, have your iPhone or your uh, smartphone with you and you just start snapping pictures of whatever it is that you're, that you see, at least you're keeping a log of something. It doesn't have to be the most, you know, the greatest picture or anything like that. Or maybe you start, you know, a folder uh, on Google Drive or something like that and you start taking notes. I think that can help you quite a bit. It'll at least get you thinking in a certain direction. It'll help you to start cultivating your own ideas. One of the things that you can do too, I think, and I've seen students do this a lot where you think, okay, I can't paint another rose. I've already painted a rose. It's okay to copy yourself. It is okay to take your past ideas and form them or twist them into something some somewhat new, but still the same. Mm -hmm. For example, I just recently finished a large marine painting. And within that painting, I used the exact same three orcas that I drew out the same, um, relative size, the proportions, everything were the same on the new painting that I did from a painting from three years ago or four years ago. Why? It worked. It fit with this painting. I took the idea that I liked from the old painting and did the, what if I put that here? What if I, what if I take that concept and twist it into something else? You're kind of going to end up morphing your style all on your own from actually copying certain past things that you've done. I think that that can be something to help. But I mean, think of things that you like. For me, you guys know I like goldfish a lot. I will put that in a lot of different things and it sort of ties several of my paintings together and starts forming a style that's very recognizable. It's actually kind of funny. Just the other night, 
I posted on Instagram and this, this one really cracked me up. I'm like, wow, I am predictable. People know my, the, the subjects that I like to paint. Posted a canvas that I just had the base painted solid green and asked, hey, do you have any guesses on what the subject is going to be? You know how within the first like 10 comments, they not only guessed what this painting was going to be, they also guessed my next several paintings. I'm like, I am predictable. <laughs> and it's funny because those paintings will all be slightly different than anything I've done before, but they're also tied in, you know, the the flamingo, mermaid, dolphin, sea turtle, so many things that I've painted before, a horse, and they listed off things that are in my near-to-do list. It, it kind of cracked me up. Um, they were even combining, you know, a goldfish with this, a goldfish with that. I'm like, oh my gosh, that is, but it's, it can be, your style isn't just about your pencil stroke. It's not just about that. It can be your subject matter. It can be the way that you like things and the different subjects that you choose. Like, for example, the piece I'm working on right now is a dolphin painting. It's a painting that I got from a stock photo site. So lots of other artists are going to paint that exact same dolphin. Mine will still look different based on the colors. I'm going to change the colors. I'm going to change a few things. I can take that same photo and make sure that it still looks like my work versus another artist using the same thing. I think it's a good idea, especially, I mean, so many of us, when we want to paint wildlife, I don't know about you, but there, where I live, there aren't a lot of dolphins in our lakes. So I have to go and, you know, use photos that other people have taken if I want to paint a dolphin, which means I'm going to use the same photos that a lot of artists did. And I always have going through my mind, what can I do to change this and make it mine so it doesn't look exactly like everybody else's? And in this case, with the photo that I chose, it's the way that I'm cropping it and the colors that I'm using. So the crop isn't going to make as big of a difference as the color shift that I'm going to do on this. So there are other things that you can do too, as far as, and I, I've talked about this a lot, make a collage of things. Sometimes you can take something and let's say you are painting an owl. Okay, it's the same owl that everybody else is working off of. You got it from, you know, wildlifereferencephotos.com or something like that. What can you do to make yours different? When you start thinking that way, trying to make your stuff a little bit different, I think you have a tendency to keep repeating the same concepts, the same ideas, and that can build into your style. When you keep doing the, what if I changed this? Here's a photo, same photo everyone else is. What if, the big, the what ifs are just so important with art, but what if I do something different? I find myself doing that all the time and I tend to do the same what ifs, but those what ifs are huge in tying together a lot of my work into a very specific style. I love the discussion about making a derivative work of your own, of your own style of something you've done in the past and that kind of thing. I think that we can get hung up on, you know, am I plagiarizing? Am I, am I doing something that's already been done before? Uh, I find myself doing that. And here's one of the things about that. I, I love this quote by Salvador Dali. He said, those who do not want to imitate anything produce nothing. Everything that we conceive of in our mind, it's because there has been some influence that has caused us to have that sort of thought. And so anything that, you know, we may do, any any kind of thing that we are interested in is because of an outside influence. And, you know, I, I think it's difficult sometimes to kind of get rid of the guilt that we may feel about that sometimes, but I think it's a good thing, and I think it's the same kind of argument whenever we're talking about the talent myth. There's this myth of originality. You know, talent can only get you so far. You have to practice to see any improvement. And so I think the same thing is true when we're talking about being original. 
You have to keep producing and you have to keep developing and figuring out what you are doing. And so I think that we can fall in that trap of that being a myth. So true. I did this years ago. I decided I wanted to get, I had been painting marine life for a very long time. Now, the type of marine life I paint that can be considered, you know, leaning towards surrealism. But I wanted to get into more surreal, more abstract ideas combined, um, whether that be the way the space and butterflies and planets. And, and I wanted to do a lot of this stuff. And I remember doing a painting for a friend and thinking, okay, I'm going to do something surreal. This this is where I want my artwork to head. And I don't know why I got that in my head because I hadn't been doing it much previously and I hadn't seen a lot of work that inspired me. I just randomly thought, I guess this is what I'm going to do. So I was doing this painting for him. I don't even think this is on my website because it really didn't come out that good. But the thing is that painting that wasn't great, it had a tree or that was growing on the earth it was kind of a cave and then a scene behind it. And this may sound familiar to you because I paint that concept a lot with different variations. The first one, I would call an absolute failure. The friend I gave it to loved it. Um, he, he's apparently not that picky. But honestly, realistically, this was not a good painting. This was not a very strong piece. But because I was trying something new, it almost it kind of knocked my skin. I guess what you would call a skill level down quite a few pegs from the marine life I had previously been doing. But even though it wasn't that great, I built from there. I started, okay, well, back to the what ifs. What if I change this little element a little bit? Same concept, scene inside a scene, tree, earth. What if I made that a little different? What can I use those same elements but change it a bit? Because I didn't like, mine almost looked like it was inside a cave. It was weird. It wasn't supposed to be a cave, but that's what it looked like. So how do I, I solve this problem of this ugly painting? I liked elements. And it formed into something else, which formed into something else. And it ended up turning into kind of a series of paintings that were very, very similar. And I still do the scene inside a scene quite often. But it started with something that wasn't good. You can start with something and think, oh, this looked bad. I'm not going to try it again. Don't give up on that. I think it's important that you, when you have an idea or something that that interests you, you have to keep exploring that idea to go anywhere with it, to form that style, that thing that is your own. You know, having an idea, even if, okay, that idea is something that wasn't an original thing, even if it was something that maybe you saw another artist do or you saw a photographer do that, you know, don't feel guilty about that because if you go out and you take your own references of that type of subject and put your own twist on it, that is your work. And I, you know, I'm speaking from experience on this because I feel a lot of guilt about that. And it, it's funny, just today, even today, and this is one of the reasons, Lisa, that I was thinking about doing this topic. Today, I went and I, I saw uh, some meters on the side of a building. You know, we, we all see those things and they don't look very attractive. But I saw an artist that uh, made those look beautiful one time. And I was near the don't ask me what i was doing but i was at the rear of this building um well that and, sounds shady uh, it does doesn't it but it was <laughs> it wasn't shady though but i was at the rear of this building and i saw those meters there and i thought you know what i should get my phone out and take a picture of that and i thought that would be it that'd be a good drawing and i started to get my phone out and i start and i started to take it and i thought I'm doing that because I saw someone else do that painting, and I started to put my phone back in my pocket. And I thought, why am I doing that? I, this is mine. This is my own thing. 
I may have got that idea because I saw someone else do that. And I've even heard artists utter this. They've said, well, I can't do that. And everybody's done that before. How many artists have drawn old barns? How many artists have drawn flowers? How many artists have drawn fruits or vegetables or vases or what, you know, fill in the blank, horses, orcas, Lisa, whatever it is. It doesn't mean you can't do it it's just so, because someone else. It's so funny has that done you it. bring that up. When I was 13, my best friend, her dad, you know, I like to paint and draw, and he actually drew really well. And I was saying something, I'm, I must have been in one of my, I'm going to be an artist when I grow up kicks. I don't remember yeah, because it wasn't yeah. until I was 19 I decided that's actually what I was going to do. But I must have been talking about it at some point. And I, I even remember the room we were standing in. And he went off on this long, long thing about how there's no reason to be an artist, you can't make money doing it. And how it's all been done before. Oh, my word. And it's you like, know, you know, looking back, it's kind of funny. And yeah. I'm glad that nothing like that really stuck with me. Because, yes, yeah. it's been done before, but I've not done it's it. It's all been done. Well, yes, and here's yes. the other thing, too. It's for all me, been done exactly. before. But for me, I think as artists, we have a need to create. It's not that yes, we want to create right. something new necessarily or something that's never been bef- done before. You just want to do it. Yes. Yeah. I what We have to create. Even me. I yes. Mean, you I can't make videos, stop us. And that's almost as enjoyable to me now as I'm playing with doing that as art. I just like to make stuff. I like to create. Right, and I think right. that's something that most of us feel. Getting yes, hung up it on is. it's been done before will hold you back. Now, you don't want to copy someone exactly. But like you were saying, with that is such a perfect example with those meters in your shady alley. Yeah, right. That was... It just you're going to do it. (laughs) It'll be a little different when you do it. I mean, you know how many people have painted flamingos? How many people have painted Mm -hmm. owls? How many people? There's always going to be something slightly different. And it's funny because even flamingos, most of them, we end up using artists. We like the same head position on flamingos. So most of ours look the same anyway. But that doesn't mean you can't paint it. Nobody can copyright a flamingo. Nobody can copyright, you know. A lance, well, it's a sa- you know, this is the same argument in music as well and in writing or any other. I mean, you fill in the blank on any other creative endeavor or creative profession that you want. And actually, this leads me to – I've cut you off though, Lisa. What were you going to say? Oh, no, I'm I good. cut you clean off there. You're, you're, okay, you're, sorry Where about you're that. going sounds more interesting to me. Let's go that well, direction. <laughs> no, maybe not. But anyway, <laughs> uh, there. but I wanted to share with you uh, listening today, there's, there's a, an interesting quote from Mark Twain, and it's an excerpt that Mark Twain had written to his dear friend, Helen Keller. I think we all know who Helen Keller was. But what happened with her is she was acquitted finally of of not plagiarizing something intentionally. It was an innocent thing that was done on her part. She did plagiar, or she, technically she copied something that had already been produced, and she wrote something that was already out there. And she didn't know that she did that. Musicians have done this uh, for eons. Here's what he wrote to her, and I think this is so fitting for us to hear today, even when we think about you know, art and what we do as artists and how we create. He says, Oh, dear me, how unspeakably funny and owlishly idiotic and grotesque was that plagiarism farce, as if there was much of anything in any human utterance, oral or written, except plagiarism. The kernel, the soul, let us go further and say the substance, the bulk, the actual and valuable material of all human utterances is plagiarism, for substantially all ideas are secondhand, 
consciously and unconsciously drawn from a million outside sources and daily used by the garnerer with a pride and satisfaction born of the superstition that he originated them, whereas there is not a rag of originality about them anywhere except the little discoloration they get from his mental and moral caliber and his temperament, and which is revealed in characteristics of phrasing. When a great orator makes a great speech, you are listening to ten centuries and ten thousand men, but we call it his speech, and really some exceedingly small portion of it is his, but not enough to signify it is merely a Waterloo. It is Wellington's battle in some degree, and we call it his but there are others that contributed to it. It takes a thousand men to invent a telegraph or a steam engine or a phonograph or a telephone or any other important thing. And the last man gets the credit and we forget the others. Now, I think that's real fitting for us as artists as well. I mean, it kind of is just a silly thing to think that we're not going to derive something from all these influences that are around us all the time. And so if anyone ever accuses you, oh, you're just copying someone else, you know, then <laughs> kind of take it as a compliment. But you also, at the same time, be careful that you aren't just copying somebody else because there is a difference between that. So just to, to clarify, there's a difference between copyright violation and inspiration. Yes. No, exactly. No, I'm glad you said that. No, I am not advocating that you go out there stroke for stroke yeah. and do exactly what some of the artists do. I mean, for does. example, let's say, you know, I do, I painted a wolf and it has a certain type of background and then I've got the damask over it. Yes, you can paint a print behind yours, but when you're doing the exact same one, the exact same colors as mine, now we're into copyright. Even, you know, let's say we both bought the same reference photo. When you're putting the exact same background as I am, the and I mean exact, not, oh, look, I put a print behind mine. You did the exact same as mine. Now we're, we're getting onto thin ice. Yeah, that, yeah. That's no, a I agree. Problem. So I think it's important to understand the difference between derivative inspiration yes and actual full-blown copyright so yeah and there is there is a thin line but I, I agree wholeheartedly with the essence of in um, the spirit in which you're uh, framing that because yeah it, and I think it's kind of obvious to us usually when someone is just going out there and copying somebody over and over and over again you know what's weird um, to me though are how many mm -hmm. artists are have no idea. They don't even realize they're doing something wrong. And if you inform them that they are, they will argue that they're not. We we had a problem with a, a woman who has been removed from our art group. This was a couple of years ago. She was following tutorials by people on YouTube and then claiming the artwork as her own original and selling them. You can't do that. <laughs> wow. But I mean, it was a full on copy of tutorials that we all know where the tutorial came from. And it was like, um, no, this is the, just because you painted it doesn't mean it's yours. That's not really how that right. works. And no, I think there's isn't. a lot of confusion for people in, okay, what's the difference between my own version of that concept versus an actual copy? Yeah. Now, if you're going to a workshop or you're following a tutorial, those are those are intended for uh, educational purposes, and you you are not allowed to sell those if it's something that is originated by another artist. 
Uh, yeah, just to be clear, yeah, that is clear violation of copyright. But you hear a lot where people think because they put that pencil to the paper, it is their artwork yeah, now. And it's like, that, no, that's, that's not how that works. So right, right. let's talk about, give some examples really quickly of inspiration versus straight out copy. So inspiration, there's an artist who I love, Brian Holland. He does a lot of prints mixed with fairly realistic animals. He does it differently than I do. I love his. I actually would love to own one of his, but I can do prints in mine, but I'm not going to copy his polar bear, his coloring, his background choice. The That is copying versus I can do a polar bear with a print, but I need to make sure mine's different. I'm using a different print, a different polar bear for one thing, different lighting, different colors. You know, I'm taking that. Yeah, I was inspired the, the to do a polar bear, position. but I did it differently than than how he right. did his. Another example of inspiration, um, John Byfine Art. Love his. He does the really blurry, out-of-focus backgrounds. He airbrushes them like I do. Or I do it like he does. You can go either way on that. Mm-hmm. But I'm not copying his painting. I like the way he blurs his background with his subjects and gets the detail up close and he can control where the viewer's eye is going. I can do that, but I'm not going to paint the same thing he did. I can't take his painting and copy that painting. I can take the techniques he's using. I can take the concepts of the way that he's using it, the way that he's painting, the tools that he's using. I can do that. Yeah. But and I think that's different. key uh, right there, exactly what you said. I mean, if you're looking at another artist and you like some of those techniques that they're employing and using in a certain subject matter, maybe you do some other subject matter, but you use some of those same techniques. I think that is a smart way of learning from that inspiration and then applying it to something else. I mean, you, we have to be careful about that because you don't want to be just a me too person. And you do have to think about how it's going to be perceived. And how, you know, you're going to position this as your own uniquely identifiable mark or signature as your artwork. Exactly. And here's the thing you want to remember, too. When you are, let's say you are copying somebody else's or it looks too similar to another artist, the person you're copying, you're probably copying because they are more skilled than you. Do you really want to compete with them? Right, right. You're now not using, I mean, you can compete with a more skilled, technically skilled artist if your ideas are very original and not, you know, something that somebody isn't mm-hmm. seeing somebody else exactly like that paint. And yes, like we've said, they're all going to be similar to an extent or somebody else has always done it. But when you're doing something, you're copying something too closely to those who mm-hmm. you admire, great for learning. But once you get right. to the point yeah. where you're trying to sell, you want to start trying to, to take those techniques, take techniques. I mean, you can see heavily where I'm inspired. Let's say John Byfine Art. Um, what was the other one I said? Brian Holland and Christian Lassen. Those three artists, if you look up their work, you can see where I'm heavily inspired by all of them. But I'm not going to copy any single one, with the exception there were a few ways that I colored my water. This rainbow color thing I did copy Christian Lassen on on, on an old one when I was younger. But that was just his water coloring. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can see where I'm inspired, but it's not... An actual copy. Another example would be Christian Lassen. The way that he paints his Moorish idol, it's the the fish that looks like Gil. If you've seen Finding Nemo, it's Gil is a Moorish idol. That fish does not have orange stripes between the white and the black, or the, the yellow and white and the black stripes. Christian Lassen puts this orange stripe in between, this thin orange stripe, and it makes those colors that are there pop so much more. I just love how the fish looks better. I paint my Moorish idols like that now. I add a stripe like that. I'm not copying his fish exactly. I'm using my own reference photos. But I'm adding that extra little detail because it's like, wow, that color looks good between the black and the orange. 
or the black and the yellow. So here's another thing. That's inspiration. I'm being influenced, but I'm not copying his actual fish just because I took one detail. I like how he paints those that one thing about these fish. So that would not be plagiarism. That is one little thing. Now I copy that fish exactly. Now we're into actual copyright violation. But I can take one way that he paints it, one little thing, and that can influence how I do mine just because I liked how it, you know, I was inspired by that. Yeah, you're changing up other things exactly. too. And, you know, and there's a lot of portrait artists that I look at, and I watch a lot of their work, and I'm very inspired by what they're doing. Now, when I sit down and I start thinking of what I my next piece is going to be, if I never get done with these commissions I have, <laughs> um, then what I usually do is I think I try to think of what I want to do. Now, I know that I'm I'm not dumb. I know I'm influenced by the things I've been looking at. I realize that. But I'm also very careful about, you know, how I'm going to approach, you know, my subject matter. And you may be thinking to yourself, well, you know, uh, that old saying, the sincerest form of, of uh, flattery is copying. But the problem is... Yeah, that may be uh, flattery for one time, but when you repeatedly do it, um, an artist and any other creator will get very annoyed by that. It doesn't help you. It does not help you progress. Uh, If all you're doing is copying, then it's not really advancing your skills and your creativity with your own original artwork. And so that's our caution there to you uh, regarding that. So maybe you have something you would love to add to this discussion, and we would love to hear that. We take all the notes for you if you want to add a comment to the show notes. They're over there at sharpenedartist.com slash podcast. If you want to reach out to us, you can email us, podcast at sharpenedartist.com. Lisa's at Lawcree on Twitter and probably everywhere else. I'm always at sharpenedartist. And this is a weekly show, and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.